Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mobile Hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to tetherednation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utilibridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 345. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Drew Bounds, to talk about his consistent success on giant bucks while on travel hunts. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. I am a little worse for wear right now. Just got back from the jiu-jitsu gym. Took a pretty good throttling for about two hours in the heat, in the humidity, no air conditioning. Uh, so I got a lot of buddies who I see are getting ready for their elk hunts and just, you know, just in general getting ready for, um, you know, for the hunting season coming up. You know, we, we, you put your body through the grinder, whether you're headed out west, you know, or whether you just are getting ready for whitetail hunting. Not saying you have to be a, an Olympic athlete. You know, don't want to get it twisted here, but being in good physical shape, you know, always helps whatever it is that you're, that you're doing. So in years past, it's like, I would be out rucking and doing things like that. Even if I was just white tail hunting, even if I wasn't going out West, you know, I'd put a little bit of weight in, in a, in a meat hauler pack and just put in some miles just cause it helps, you know, at least I find it helps my legs, you know, as I get into hunting season, carrying whatever my pack is with my camera gear and stuff like that just makes it a little easier. 
uh, to kind of move around. Actually, truthfully, it, it really helps the most in like those small muscles, like in your in your feet that you don't really use for stabilizing. Those are the ones that are usually, you know, early in the season before you're really kind of in mid-season shape that really kind of get worn out. So if nothing else, it helps that as opposed to maybe like your your larger muscles, quads, um, hamstrings, things like that, that that you might be pressing whenever you're you're rucking. It's more the inconsistent ground that I always found uh, was most beneficial. But with that, not a whole lot for me to get done in the whitetail woods. Did do some honeydew list stuff in the in the Africa heat here in Pennsylvania this past weekend was cleaning gutters, which is always a good time to wait until the hottest part of the year to clean your gutters. A smart person would do that type of stuff in like, you know, I don't know, April, May, when it's kind of nice and cool outside <laughs> to get ready for all the rains. But I typically don't ever get to it until, you know, uh, mid-summer time. But with that, it kind of made me realize as I was kind of getting all this stuff done, you know, how close hunting season really is, you know, especially if you're a, you know, a state that has an end of, you know, if you're a Western state, I guess, if you will, that has a West, um, you know, the end of August kind of opening, or if you're headed out for an elk hunt, but for me in PA, I realized today, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm really just about two months out. I've got all of August and, you know, half of September really. Um, cause we have a mid September opener, you know, when I, you know, where I live, I got to look to see exactly what the date is, but it's always, you know, around the 15th to the 19th, depending on how that Saturday falls. And uh, just kind of realizing that, you know, I have a couple more cameras that I need to get out, which isn't a big rush because they're typically in areas where, you know, I'm not getting a lot of inventory, just more so, you know, those are more, you know, hunting season inventory kind of areas, you know, when deer start using those, those particular spots. Been shooting my bow a lot more, you know, mentioned in the past, I got a kind of a bum shoulder, so I kind of take it easy in the off season. I don't shoot, don't shoot nearly as much as I used to. Um, I still shoot, you know, every week. I still try to get a couple arrows a couple days a week. But this time of year, I'll start to ramp it up. Actually got into the saddle and was shooting out of a tree in the backyard, you know, kind of get, reacquainting myself with, you know, shooting from a platform and in a saddle. Just all the normal things you kind of need to uh, need to go through. Need to head over to my buddies over at Bob and AJ's and just have a quick dialing. I mean, my, my bow is, I mean, I feel like it's shooting really well. Um, I'm landing arrows where I want to land them, whether they're field points or broadheads. Um, so that's always a nice feeling. But I do like to just kind of slide over to Bob and AJ's and, and have them take a look at my bow, just make sure everything's good, make sure nothing's funky that I'm not noticing, um, you know, and then I know that for sure that I'm kind of dialed and ready for the uh, – and uh and ready for the season but with that we're gonna go ahead and just kind of jump into today's show have a cool show for you guys today have my buddy uh drew bounds on um drew is one of those dudes that i kind of refer to as a quiet killer where you know a lot of people probably don't you know may not know of him or know about him um but his uh consistent success is that of at least in my kind of mind is is kind of of legends um (laughs) it's you would be hard pressed to find a guy that has more success more consistently on mature animals. When I say mature animals, I'm saying like giants. I'm talking like, I think when we were talking, and I don't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast or not, if we, if we talked about it after we kind of wrapped up and just kind of shoot, you know, shooting the breeze, you know, before we were done. But I want to say his last eight years in uh, the Midwest, um, he, Killed a, a mature deer. I want to say consist uh, every year of the of the past eight years, and I want to say his average score on those deer was like 168 and some change. And he's got a couple. Of, you know, of course, he's got you know a handful in there that were Boone and Crockett deer and and, and things like that. Um, and so you know that's just one of those things where 
it's one thing, you know, if you go back and you think about the conversation I had with Jason Michaels, even, you know, he, you know, he was saying, you know, someone who shoots a giant once that's, that's great, you know, and, and, and good for you. Um, but that's the deer that they'll only, that's the only deer that they'll ever kind of talk about. Cause you know, maybe they went on a hunt, you know, and, Iowa or whatever, and they killed the biggest deer they've ever killed in their life, and then they've got a bunch of other smaller deer, which is smaller deer, just just as good, just as fine. But you know, Jason kind of refers to as the hunter of averages, right? What's your average? Like that that is more indicative of of maybe what your capabilities are, if you will, whether it's your averages of age or averages of score, however you want to look at it. Um, but Drew is getting it done you know, in, in, you know, in some plain states and things of that nature. And he's killing world-class animals consistently. And you're just hard, hard pressed to find a guy that would be more consistent than he is on the type of mature animals that he's, uh, that he's killing. I've wanted to talk to Drew for a while. We have a couple mutual friends. And so I was super stoked to finally get him on. And so without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump into today's show. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I have on a fella that I've been trying to have on for a while. He's a a guy who we have a couple mutual friends. And uh, actually, it was if you listen to an episode a while ago with Jonathan Moreland, he actually brought this fella's name up. And when we got off the phone or when we got done with the the, the podcast he and I did together, I said, man, I've I've heard of this fella before and uh, I know a little bit about him. And I'd love to get him on the podcast because he's a killer. And he was like, oh, man, he's like, I don't think he's going to talk to you. <laughs> and so it took me probably about another year and a half to finally work up the nerve to shoot him a, a message. And uh, he agreed to come on. And that's none other, none other than Mr. Drew Bounds. What's going on, man? Oh, not much, man. Just burning up here in the deep south. All right. Yeah. What's, what, are you, uh, what temp you got down there today? Uh, it's probably in the upper 90s right now with the heat index over 110 oh man very brutal yeah you guys ain't ain't wasting any time on that summer heat are you no sir no sir is that pretty uh pretty typical for your area this time of year yes it's terrible yeah (laughs) (laughs) it is terrible nice do you notice like i mean i'm sure you know just like whitetails anywhere they just kind of adapt to their their surroundings or whatever but you know Let's say you're doing like some summer glassing or something like that. Like, do you notice a noticeable difference just whenever there is like a, just a ripping heat wave come through? Like, does it, does it kind of kill the, any type of glassing opportunities or movement in general during the summer? Or do you not really see much difference? Well, where I live is pretty thick, almost all over, not much glassing going Mm. on. But I have noticed like in the middle of a hot summer days, I see deer up in like the middle of the day. I almost think it's like they're trying to get up and get some airflow around them. You know, right. like I'll see them on the roads and stuff. Right. Um, just try. I don't know. I guess it's so hot that they can't lay up. You know. Right. Like get up, and move. They're probably going to get water or something. Right. Right. Truthfully, but um, I'm sure they hit water several times a day. Uh, I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And that makes sense, man. It's like you know, if you think about, it, if you're just laying around and it's hot. Like you can only lay, but so much, and like you just gotta like try to find like a little air, little area where there's a just a draft, even. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I ain't even right. looking for a breeze. I'm just looking for a draft. <laughs> Something. On, yep. on, on those yep. days. But uh, how are things been, man? Things all good in the in the in the deep south for you? You getting some uh, oh, yeah. getting some deer work done? Getting some? I know you shoot your bow like crazy, so I'm sure you're getting some reps in. Yeah, I, I try to shoot as much as I can. I'm in the process of building a house this year, so it's. 
eating up a lot of my free time. Yeah. But yeah. Um, nice. Are do you- a lot of shooting. Um, I don't do a whole lot of free stuff. Most of my hunting, I hunt a lot around home, but it's not um, uh, my serious hunting, so to speak, is when I travel. And everything, you know? Right. I, I kind of prep myself for that kind of stuff every year. Right. Right. So the house building, are you, uh, so like, I'm not handy at all with a hammer and, or any tools to speak of. if you need anything serious, then I can, I can muck my way through some simple stuff, but, uh, are you doing any of the building or are you, uh, you overseeing? Man, I couldn't build a, a birdhouse that a bird would stay in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, by trade, I do like excavation work and stuff. So okay. I, I did the ground site work for the house. Mm. I built the pad, dug footing, that this, that, and other. But once walls started going up, I'm I get out of the way. Right. But right. they all, all my building contractors always ask me what I want to do here and there, uh, stuff like that. It takes up a lot of time. Right. Right. Yeah. My my answer my answer would be like uh, just uh, whatever you need to do so it doesn't fall down. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I ask him all the time. Well, what's going? You know. Right. <laughs> 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 exactly right. exactly well that way too it's like hey what do you think you know that way if i don't like it then it's not my fault you know that's it's like, right i can tell the yeah. wife, tell the i can tell the wife that hey it wasn't my fault that, that guy over there decided that you know you, yeah but i got laid off on him right sure. like i didn't make that <laughs> right so you uh so for for your work and stuff i know you're kind of you know self-employed to a degree and stuff like that so it's is it is it primarily ex- excavating and you're in and you're in arkansas right right yeah we got this dirt Dirt moving equipment, um, dump trucks, bulldozers, tracos, but any anything, any kind of work you can do with that kind of equipment, we do it. Right. And what part of Arkansas are you are you in? Because truth be told, man, I, that Arkansas is one of those states I've just I've never been to. I never I've never set foot in it. I don't know that I've even driven across it. To be honest with you, I live right on the Arkansas Louisiana state line. Like if you drop the pin on the state line dead center between east and west on the Arkansas Louisiana line right there. Probably might live as a crow flies maybe two miles from Louisiana. Okay. And you, kind of south central Arkansas. Right. And you and you, you can tell you live close by because you say it right, Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you get up here with these northern us northerners up here, man, it's a it's a Louisiana. You know? Yes. It's a wonder you can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was I was born in the South, so oh, okay. I got that. Go- I mean, my whole family's from uh, from Pennsylvania, but I was I was born in the South, and you know, Florida. It's certain parts of Florida, you know, are, are certainly Southern, um, and I lived there for about ten years. And a lot of my buddies that were that I you know was friends with there were all true kind of like folks who migrated, you know, from other kind of Southern areas to the Orlando area. And so I had plenty of kind of Southern culture, I guess, if you, uh, right. if you will. And it's, uh, I don't know, man, I've always liked the Southern culture, dude. It's like, I could always see myself at some point in my life moving back South. I don't know that I would ever go back to Florida, but there's just something about, you know, that Southern hospitality, like it's a real thing, you know, and I, I always kind yeah. of enjoy any of the areas that I've, you know, that I get to in the South. So are you Arkansas born and raised? Yep. Yeah, I live now about a quarter mile through the woods from where I grew up. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, That's awesome. So, uh, so I didn't make it very far from home. <laughs> right. That's okay, man. That's good, dude. It's uh, 
And are those your uh, your old stomping grounds for hunting too, right around that area? Oh yeah, where you cut yep, your teeth. I got a lot of memory. That's where I cut my teeth for sure. Yeah. What uh? So how did you get started, man? Like how did you get started hunting? Because I know I know for me, you know, and, and again, I'm just I'm I'm going to plead ignorance here about you know a lot of kind of like the hunting heritage and culture in the South related to hunting. You know, for for Pennsylvania. You know, it's a big hunting heritage state, you know, especially if you grew up where I did in, in rural PA, you know, in, in farmland right. and log and logging kind of land. And, uh, you know, there was no question when I was growing up, if I was ever going to hunt or not, it was just a matter of time until I was old enough to, you know, carry a gun and legally be able to hunt and, and stuff like that. So I started going, I mean, my dad started taking me out when I was probably, I think the earliest picture and memory I have is probably going turkey hunting with him when I was probably like five or six, you know? Right. Um, yeah. You know, and I then, got pictures of me with my dad. <clears throat> I was probably two. He's carrying me on his shoulders going squirrel hunting. And, you know, it's, I mean, he, he's the reason. Right. He got me started. And did it's it start, life. did it start off as small game or did, you know, was he like into small game, into deer hunting, like or everything or, or what? Uh, he was, he was into everything, you know, small game, deer hunting, turkey hunting. Um, I guess that's, most we have to offer around here, but yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's, I don't, I don't remember not that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't remember my first hunt, so to speak. You know, I guess because mm-hmm. I was so little. I mean, I can remember when I took a first animal or stuff like that, you know, right. but he's, he, he had me in the woods as soon as possible, I guess, probably too quickly, but right. <laughs> uh, I was just, just with him. So as far as like, as a hunter goes, you know, your pops, you know, cause my dad, like he, you know, he loves hunting and, um, you know, got me in the woods, you know, young and, you know, spent time with me in the woods and stuff like that. But, you know, I always said, you know, my, my dad just, he's a sportsman. He just likes to be out in the woods. He was never, you know, uh, it wasn't like there was like a lot of strategy, like necessarily involved, you know what I mean? And it was primarily, you know, he was mainly a gun hunter. You know, he enjoyed going for big game. We took a trip to Alaska at one point and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I didn't really kind of start to understand, you know, hunting strategy uh, other than just, you know, being still, being quiet and try not to get winded. That was about as much as I knew grown up or about as much as I was taught. You know, beyond that, it was kind of on me to kind of figure out. So I'm just kind of curious because I hear guys – kind of have all kinds of different experiences. Some of the guys grow up and it's like their dad is super into deer hunting and that's kind of how they learned. Right. And some guys mm-hmm. I talked to, it's you know, their dad was into small game and maybe pheasants and maybe they ran dogs, you know, coon hunted and stuff like that. And that's how they were brought up. And so they just had to figure out deer hunting on your own. How, what was your experience like? Uh, I mean, my dad hunted, but there wasn't like a lot of strategy. You know, right. I can remember, as I was getting older, you know, maybe in my teenage years and stuff, um, you're reading articles in this bow hunter magazine or something, you know, just stuff you get in the mail and it'd be like, they, they would be talking about hunting to win. Well, down here where I live is big timber country, pretty flat, uh, really can't hunt to win here. Mm. Um, cause it swirls all the time. Right. You, um, so like, the but reading that just kind of bumfuls with me. And like, how, you, how do you hunt the wind? You know? right. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, when I started hunting, traveling, hunting other states, I picked up on it pretty quickly. But yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like me and my dad, I mean, we started kind of traveling together. Mm. Like, uh, 
far as hunting the Midwest and stuff. Um, we started going at the same time. I was late teens, maybe around 20 or so when I, we first started traveling. I feel like we kind of learned together, you know? Right. That's um, cool. Um, so, yeah. What, yeah. So, so you mentioned it was kind of, you know, uh, big timber kind of in the area you live. Give me, a, give me a sense, like a little bit of like the area that you did cut your teeth in early. You know, what does that look like as far as like, the, again, cause I'm ignorant as far as, you know, Arkansas oh, yeah. goes, like what's the topography, terrain, hunting pressure, what's all that stuff kind of look like where you're at? Um, terrain, it's, it's changing as, as time goes on, you know, it used to, when I was a little kid, there was a lot of hardwood timber, um, honey feed trees a lot, you know, um, but now as time goes on, it is a big timber operation here. You know, people, it's all time. We're, we're going to run out of hardwood trees soon. <laughs> I mean, right, right. They're, they're whacking them down and replanting them pine trees. So, you know, you're, it changes a lot as far as hunting wise, but I mean, now it's, we have a lot of clear cuts and pine thickets with briars and you still got some hardwoods that's got SMZs and, uh, you know, little streamlined management zones with the SMZ that where they left okay. hardwoods along a, a creek drainage. You know, you can still find some acorn trees to hunt around, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's uh, it's a tough place to hunt. I mean, yeah. really, it, it's 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 harder to kill a 125 inch mature deer here than it is a 180 in the midwest to me <laughs> right right uh, and the pressure is really hard here I mean, I've, I, i'm pretty much strictly a bow hunter mm-hmm. but like the opening day of rifle season here hits dead center of the rut so and there's there's somebody sitting in a deer stand every quarter mile anywhere there's woods you know right um, they're they're mowing down lots of little two-year-old eight-point bucks mm-hmm. it's just tough it's a tough place to hunt yeah the uh, you said it's flat. I'm I'm kind of guessing, or I'm assuming, like you got a lot of swamp area around you too. Is that is that would that be fair? I think it's super swampy. I mean, you get around a like a a bigger river. Or so I mean, there's a there's a river about a mile east where I live, uh, the Washtenaw River. Um, it's it's got some swampy areas around it. But I mean, where I live, right, you know, what I cut my teeth on is little creek bottoms. Uh, I mean, it's not really swampy, you know, it's just mm-hmm. little, little creek bottoms. And then on the hills where it used to be hardwoods on the hills, now it's pine timber or, mm-hmm. or depends on how old the pines are. There's either pine timber or little sapling thickets, you know, with briars, you know, like, um, people, people always talk about finding deer bedding and stuff like that. And I just kind of laugh at it. <laughs> here i'm like yeah you show me you know <laughs> show me where they're bed i mean i can, I can point in the area you ain't gonna point you're not gonna show me his bed i don't think um right. so uh, you, you do a lot of i there's so many times here where i've set up you know i look i check the wind now and see which way the wind's supposed to be blowing and uh i'll set up whatever i'm hunting over and um and a lot of times the deer come from the exact opposite way than I think he was coming from, and, right. uh, you know, and, and, and the, the wind swirling. So I just got lucky when he decided to come in that the wind was blowing the way it wasn't supposed to be blowing. You know, I don't know. Like I said, it's just a, it's a really tough place to hunt here. Right. And um, so I'm always interested, man, like 
how it, it, hard places to hunt always kind of in, in, intrigue me. And I think it's, it's those types of areas make some of the best hunters, you know, because, you know, like you said earlier, man, trying to kill 120, 125 inch, you know, mature deer in your areas, like that's like in, where you live, like that's an accomplishment, you know, like if you do that yeah. consistently, like that's something to write home about. And so I'm always curious, you know, in, in that area, you know, cause it helps me understand like when you start to travel, how you start to break things down and stuff like that. Like what is the, like, if you're going to hunt your home area, what's, what things do you kind of key in on? when you're looking for like when you're either scouting or even during hunting season, when you might be like, you know, scouting to set up for a hunt or looking for hot sign or whatever the case is, like what, what are the things you're really kind of focused on? Man, early you can, you can see those new little fresh rubs, you know, mm -hmm. that, that they've been doing right after they shed the velvet and you, and you know the bucks are close then you know you try to find some kind of food source that they're keying in on um later in the year when they're starting to rut um i mean you, you it's you there's pinch points here but there's they're not they're not i mean i don't know i've hunted some of those like pinch points in the midwest that i've done a lot it's uh they're pretty like no-brainer kind of survives you right, know like right. here here it's like to blow down trees that's blowed over, you know, and they're walking around in a tree between it and a thicket edge or something like that. You know, it's um and and, and basically a lot of all this here you gotta you gotta hunt around uh, some kind of food source, which basically from probably the end of October on if there's a good acorn crop, you know, you, mm -hmm. you need to try to key in on some of your little creek bottoms. It's got, uh, like the deer here love the white oak acre. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, and there's another tree we call, I don't know, it may be different somewhere. We call them cow trees. Um, it's a really big acre. And okay. I've, I've had some success on, uh, hunting around them some, you know, right. Um, persimmon trees early, early season. If you can find some that the, coons and possums hadn't knocked out before <laughs> they actually get right to <laughs> yeah um, yeah but, uh, nice yeah so, nice so it sounds like you know it sounds very similar to you know what i kind of experience here in you know pa and what a lot of other guys probably experience you know in, in other high pressure states where it's you know um especially early season trying to chase the food sources that might differ in different places you know to your point might have to find a secondary food source if there's not a good you know, mast crop or whatever. What, what are you, what are you looking for? If like there's a secondary food source, say you have a bad acorn, acorn drop that year, you know, are you kind of, are you seeking out like the, you know, areas that have just a, you know, a ton of green briar or is there something that's kind of secondary on your list that you would kind of go to? Uh, food plots work good. Some this, um, where I live and I, I don't like, it. um, where I live, Baiting is really, um, mm. um, like it's, if you're not baiting and your neighbor is, they have, they have all you do. So you can, right. sometimes you can key in on if you know where your neighbor's got stuff and you try to cut, cut them off on your side of the line or right. I don't know. Like I said, I, I wish they would outlaw it. I wish it was a level playing field. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've griped for years that I wish they would cut it out, but it's, I don't know. It's just a, yeah, it's, you got to fight, yeah. you know, sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. I don't know. 
right. I, I don't know. To tell you the truth, I, like, I don't feel like I'm deer hunting until I leave home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I do do my deer hunting. But I hunt a lot here. I take my son a lot. Uh, right. Times, but my, uh, when I think of deer hunting, I think of something 10 hours away from my house. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I hear you, man. I hear you. I, uh, I, I'm in a very similar boat where, you know, we have decent deer hunting here in, in Pennsylvania. You know, we've got, uh, you know, I would say we're probably, you know, and I don't even like to say it, but somewhat under the radar, <laughs> right? you know, cause we do have some pockets. You can find some quality animals, but there's a lot of areas that are, they're kind of similar to what you're describing. Now we don't have baiting and stuff like that around here. So that's at least alleviating. And I feel for my buddies like, you know, like you and my buddy Greg who lives in Jersey, there's a lot of bait that goes on there and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, adds an extra layer of, you know, challenge if you want to call it or, you know, it does. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I mean, go ahead. Uh, just because you pour out some bait doesn't mean that all your big deer are going to walk in there in the daylight. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, uh, I mean, it, yeah, those deer are smart. And I mean, yeah, those deer ain't coming uh, in until after dark anyway. <laughs> no, it's, uh, and I, so, so I can remember, I can remember when I was a teenager stuff me and my dad we we would walk and scout find a hot bee tree at the end of october you know and mm-hmm. when you find it you're th- you're looking at the tree like which one i'm going to get up in you know because mm-hmm. you know you're finna you're finna do some shooting there you know right. but uh um but now like everybody baits so it's like the deer like it's hard to find a really good bee tree anymore because the deer there's everybody here, you know, baits. So it's like the deer don't have to key in on those feed trees super hard. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like they will prefer it. They prefer acorn over, but it's like they, they have that buffet available to them anytime they want to from, you know, like I said, there's somebody every quarter mile. Right. And so it's like, I don't know. That's the, uh, yeah. I, I always say I live in the, armpit of america (laughs) (laughs) i wonder i wonder too if like you know i'd be curious to kind of i don't know if we'd ever be able to know this but you know because deer kind of probably i would imagine they see food as food whether it's coming out of a feeder or whether it's coming off of a tree right like they just know that's a place where they get food right and they associate danger and stuff like that right like they'll associate danger if they walk through a pinch point you know if you have a buck you're trying to kill and he walks through a pinch point you fling an arrow at him, chances are, you know, probably not real good if it's a mature deer that that deer's going to walk back through that pinch point in daylight anytime soon, you know? Right. And so I'm wondering if there's even a, an aversion they have to just food in general over time, if they have so many bad experiences just around food, regardless of whether it's coming from a feeder or coming from a tree, that they equate eating with in daylight regardless of where it's at with potential danger. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I definitely think they, um, they, I'm just get the words out, you know, associate baiting with danger. There's yeah. no doubt. You right. know, um, like you can sit in the hardwoods and watch a deer come through feeding on acorns and he has, you know, he's acting like a deer, you know, right. and you sit, if you sit and watch some, 
coming in to bait. It's like they're trying to slip up on the boogeyman. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's terrible. Right. But uh, no, they definitely, they yeah. definitely associate that with uh, yeah. If, danger. If you do get a shot, you ain't getting a shot at a calm deer. Put it that way. Right. No. Yeah. He's oh, a little no. on edge. So you mentioned That's, rut, man. And uh, I'm always curious, like, what's the timing of your rut down there? The timing of my, our rut here is probably. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I would say the second, around the, it's about like the Midwest, you know, it's rocking and rolling by November the 10th and kind of tapers off about the end of Thanksgiving week, it seems like, you know. Uh, Gotcha. um, I wasn't sure if Arkansas was one of those states that had kind of multiple well, multiple ruts. Yeah, I think they do. I think uh, you can travel two hours east of me, and it's kind of starting at the end of November, finishing by the middle of December. You know, it, right? It's, uh, yeah, I've read up on that. It has to do with uh, some of those. It has a late rutting has to do with uh, spring flooding. Oh, they, interesting. That uh, those. I guess come in later. Well, anyway, that they get bred later that way, they'll get born later. So the uh, maybe the spring floods and like the you know the river bottoms and stuff, maybe they will be, you know, out of you know not flooded. So the uh, those will have somewhere to fawn. Yeah, fawn for sure. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how that all kind of because I mean I know I have you know buddies in Alabama. They got like five ruts. I always say, I always say, like one year I'm gonna go in like January after Christmas, and I'm gonna go catch like a, another rut. Like I would actually like to do a season of that where it's like I catch mm-hmm. multiple ruts. Like maybe hunt Florida early, catch like an early rut down there, catch like the Midwest rut somewhere, and then catch like three more in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish I, where I live the rut was later than it was because I'm always Same. gone. Yeah. I leave before it starts here. I stay gone for quite a while, so yeah. I, I never, I never get hunted out here. I haven't hunted in November at home in probably twelve years. You know, yeah, yeah. It's it's been some years since I've hunted the rut in PA. Um, the same, because I'm usually in my travel trailer headed somewhere. You know, either right around Halloween, you know, right around that time frame, some, you know, somewhere and don't get back to usually after it's, you know, after the ruts kind of passed here, or I shouldn't say the ruts passed. We still have a little bit of rut happening whenever I get back usually, but our season uh, ends at that point, like archery season's out. And then there's like a, a lull and then gun season comes in, you know, right after, right after Thanksgiving. But uh, so speaking of, uh, of traveling, man, you know, you're, uh, you're one of those dudes that, uh, that I've had the pleasure to kind of run into, you know, on social media and have a, have a phone conversation with that loves to travel, um, and, and manages to find a way to get it done just about every, every year, um, <laughs> with it, without fail, not just on like, you know, the run of the mill deer, like, you know, you're, you're killing good, you know, big mature deer, but 
I'm curious, you know, when the, uh, the travel bug kind of bit you, like, when did you, when did that kind of start happening for you? You started kind of venturing out to, uh, to chase mature deer. Uh, I think first time I traveled, I was 19, went to Kansas. Um, and I was hooked, you know, yeah. I saw you get to, it was just, uh, just a whole different world deer hunting compared to what I got to do at home. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, I haven't missed a year since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord willing, I got a, a, a many more to come, you know. But, yeah. Um, what, uh, you know, I guess whenever you're, when you're headed out to the Midwest, you know, given where you kind of grew up and where you cut your teeth hunting, you know, how do you, how does your style kind of differ, you know, when you're hunting around home versus when you're traveling aside from like the caliber of deer and like, you know, they probably act a little bit more like deer you would expect and stuff like that. Because I imagine around home and how you kind of cut your teeth, you're probably hunting off the ground, I would assume, you know, yeah. and I know a little bit about, you know, where you've hunted in the Midwest and stuff. Cause you know, we kind of talked about that, you know, previously, you know, when we had a phone conversation and I know you're doing a lot of ground hunting, you know? And so for me, that was a big kind of change, you know, that, you know, threw me, not threw me for a little bit of a loop. Like I was anticipating having some challenges, you know, making that switch, but I have to, I had to kind of drastically kind of change my approach when I got out there. Cause what I was trying just wasn't working at first. So I'm just curious how things kind of differ from when you're at home to when you're on the road in terms of like your strategy and how you approach it. Man, I, when I've hunted in the, when I've traveled, I've hunted, uh, I've hunted Kansas a lot. I've hunted Iowa a couple of times. I've hunted, uh, Northern Missouri quite a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I still like, like in Northern Missouri and Iowa, stuff has got a lot of timber. I, uh, I do a lot of scouting, you know, when I get there, a lot of looking for the tree. I hang and hunt almost every set. But in Iowa, I think in Iowa and Missouri, I've taken a couple of nice deer off the ground. In Kansas, I started just solely ground hunting, you know, mm-hmm. not getting in a tree, I think in 2015. And uh, I it's kind of ground hunting for me. Um, <laughs> kind of like uh, I think like a like when a girl has been a uh, out and about at her job and working out, and when she gets home, she wants to relax and mm-hmm. she wipes her makeup off her face, takes her brazier off, and just chill mode. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's the way the ground hunt is because you don't have to carry a stand. Yeah. You know, um, so like when I'm stand hunting, I um. I'm all the time worried about the wind, you know, you know, you pick out this tree and you're trying to play the wind right for this. But when I'm ground hunting and I'm going to say a specific property, I check the wind that morning and I'll just work the wind in my favor, you know? Yeah. Uh, just, it's just easy. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot it's of not easier to get it done, but it, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can just, you can enter to enter what property you're planning on hunting just on the downwind side. That's, that's the way I do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. That, uh, the Iowa and, uh, in Northern Missouri stuff, cause I've hunted in that, in that area too. That's some, that's some fun hunting. And it all, I almost hunt it similarly to like how I would hunt at home for the most part, you know, right. I mean? like I'm getting in a, in a tree kind of doing what you're saying, but whenever you're, when you're doing these out of state hunts and you're traveling to the Midwest and I know you've done this over years. And so, you know, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming you've probably gone back to places that you have familiarity with in the past and just to check, you know, it might not be where you killed that year necessarily, but you know, you've got some places that you have some history with that you might kind of check out. But when you first started going, you know, and you didn't, you know, the first couple of years, let's say, and you didn't really have any history with any of these properties or anything like that, um, or any of these parcels, how are you approaching kind of breaking those down and figuring them out? You know, did you go out, you know, in the off season and kind of scout previously or, or do you kind of take more of a kind of freelance approach where you were like, I'm going hunting and I'm going to show up whatever state it happens to be. And I'm just going to pound the ground for a couple of days and, and, and figure it out on, you know, on the fly and then start working a plan. Um, I've done a little of both freelancing and pre-scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stuff that I pre-scouted, I'd went up and like turkey hunted it the spring before, you know, and just yeah. kind of got an idea how to lay the land. But I'm, I'm an adventure hunter. I like to see what's over the next hill, you know, mm-hmm. kind of deal. And, um, I probably had just as much luck on the stuff that I freelance scouted, you know, go up and find something that looks hot. I'm under the opinion, you know, some people think if you bump a buck, he's gone, you know, never coming back. Like if I go scout a place, I like to scout it with the wind in my favor, you know, as I'm kind of combing over things, but I, I like to bump the does out of their beds, you know, and see where they're at. And I mean, I've, I have went and intentionally, like I can think last time I hunted Iowa, I, um, that stuff I was hunting is just some free permission land. And the guy let me, uh, I went and put out some minerals in the middle of the summer. I got back and checked the cameras and stuff and had a pretty nice deer on camera. Well, I kind of like that summer when I put those minerals out, like it was so hot and he just eat me alive. I remember it was the last <laughs> camera I had to put out and, uh, I just threw it out. I didn't really look over that area. I said, well, if there's something on there, you know, in right. this general area, I'll check it out then. So it's nice deer there. Well, the first one I got his pick, or I was looking at the pictures and seen him. And um, so I think maybe that evening, I kind of made like a little quick scout and I picked me out a tree where I could see a lot of area, you know, gonna kind of watch from afar. And I didn't see him. Saw some deer. Well, hunted around another day or two and I, we had a hot day, you know, and I said, man, I'm not going to hunt to see them. I'm going to figure this deer out, you know, and it was kind of like the terrain there. It was like some blue beds that was, had a little water in them, mostly dry. And then it was one spot that had a, like a little two and a half, three acre thicket. And I could tell there was a lot of does bedding in that thicket. And on one side, on the north side of the property, there was a standing cornfield. And I had a feeling probably bedding and, and or you know on the edge of the corn well that day that the, it was hot i got the wind in my favor and i went looking for that deer you know i mm-hmm. said i want to find where he's bedding and i messed around out and i and i bumped the deer I, I don't know if it was him but i bumped the big single deer where i thought he might be and i, I could hear his horns hitting the uh, mm-hmm. corn stalks as he was running off you know yeah well the next day, the wind switched out of the north. At the middle of the day, I went and hung a I went and hung a stand on the downwind side of that little doe bedding area. 
he met his major before dark, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like that kind of you know, right. go and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, get up the tree. First time ends the best time. I know it's been said a million times. You know, that's, it, it holds truth most of the time, you know. Right. First time yeah. in a tree. Of all the of all the deer you've killed, you know, on these travel hunts. Speaking of that, like first times, best time. Mm-hmm. How many would you say, regardless of whether you were in the tree or on the ground? How how many would you say was the first kind of encounter that you had with that deer? So I'm, I'm saying encounter to take out whether or not you're in a tree or on the ground, right? But mm-hmm. like the set the set you had in that area, whether it's on the ground or in a tree, how often or that what percentage of deer in the past like let's just say 10, 12 years, do you think you killed on the first set? For that Probably. set, not not the first set for that specific deer, but the first set of that particular area. Oh, um, probably 80% of the time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, or more. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, I like to, like I said, if I'm hunting out of the tree, you know, I like to hang and hunt. And even, I won't hardly ever hunt. I, I might just, not I was move. Ask 40, you that. Yeah, I might not move forty yards. You know, if I think I, or you know, if I need to make a little tweak or something. But like, uh, I'm hunting out of a tree up there. I I go up with the stand and I come back out. You know, with yeah. like a little lightweight hang on. So, but like the ground hunting, you know, uh, I hunt areas is more open country, so it's really not a. Like there's sometimes I might be sitting and looking over a half a section or something, you know, right. a lot of acres. So, you know, you really, and, and like that kind of stuff, if I get my eyes on him, I try to get him, you know, if I got eyes on him, I'm trying to get him that day. Cause you don't ever know where he's going to be tomorrow. You know, kind of deal. Uh, right. I'm, I'm really aggressive. I, um, you was talking about Johnson, bringing in Johnson tells me I'm impatient, you know, but I'm, I, my mentality is go, go, go when I'm on the ground, you know? Right. Right. Well, I would say the, uh, I'd say your track record's pretty good. <laughs> I would say keep being impatient. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? The, uh, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Cause like, you know, the, uh, that, that plains country, you know, you can, it, you know, so a lot of your, so let me ask it this way. Your first sets in plains country, right. Where you can, where you're doing glassing and stuff like that. Are those mm-hmm. primarily kind of? Are you setting up more so for spot and stocks, or are you or are you setting up for like ambush setups? So I started hunting the plane stuff twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. and I've uh, I've been successful every year that I've hunted out there. Um, and I was what is that? Is that eight years since? Uh, so six out of the eight I was spot and stalking. The other two years, I was sitting on like a little stool, you know, uh, like in an ambush situation, you know. Right. Um, but I mean, I love spotting stuff. I, I like sneaking up on stuff. The, the ambush stuff is, it's where I don't have a. I'm trying to figure out a play on it. And a lot of times that happens in the evening time, mm. and you're kind of waiting for something to, you know, show up. Um, or you think of an area that you might encounter something, you know, and you go and chill out. But I'm always got, I always got my boots laced up in case I, if, I, <laughs> if I see something, I need to make a move on. Right. 
I want to go back to what you were saying, you know, that, you know, you're doing hanging hunts and stuff like that in areas where there's timber, whether it's, you know, it might be Missouri or Iowa or wherever, you know, and you said that you, you don't hunt the same tree, you know, consistently, like you'll, you'll make slight tweaks and it might only be 40 yards, you know, to the next setup that you might have. But right. I'm curious, like, what is it that will tell you to move that 40 yards? Let's, let's do a, a scenario here. So let's use that deer, that deer you killed in Iowa, right? So you made a, you made a slight move on, on that based on the wind there, right? So right. let's, you know, let's say you're going into a piece, it's that Iowa piece. You think a deer is in a spot, right? You don't have a visual of him, so you don't really know how he's entering or exiting an area. But you're going to go do a second hunt in that general area, and you don't want to set up in the same tree. Like, what will make you move? You know that forty that forty yards. What makes you think that that forty yard change is the is the better option than where you were just at? Well, some of it would be the wind direction that day. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people think you can't hunt a certain spot because you don't have the wind. But there's always a different angle to hunt the same spot. You know, right. um, yeah. I mean, some spots you can. You know, if you got a wind blowing right into a bed area, right, right. You can go on the other side of the bed area. You, know, mm-hmm. you can you can always you can always find a way it might not be the spot you think that you need to be in you know mm-hmm. but you can always find a way to hunt an area so to speak with the wind um i don't know i've just seen where i've watched you know deer are going to pick up on your ground scent and stuff and i i've seen them i've seen them you know get cautious when they smelled where i walked in and stuff and i, I just think in my mind that you know yeah i didn't see him that day, a hunt, you know, deer, mm-hmm. deer hunting, you can do everything right, everything to a T, but he still got to walk by you that day. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so I just like to keep him guessing. You know, if I'm hunting out of a tree, I don't, I don't want him because there's no doubt. I mean, you can hunt the same tree two or three times in a row, and those big does around there that live there, you know, they, yeah, they uh, know. They know. They're like that's that's the tree right there he went up, you know? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> um, I mean, yes, people still get lucky during the rut um, and hunt the same trees six days in a row and some wild rut, rut warrior walks by that's staggering, you know, hadn't slept in three days <laughs> yeah. and still gets it done. Yes, that tactic worked. I don't know. I right. just, i just seen success on the first sits in a, in a tree, you know, and, when something works, I just keep doing. Yeah, if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know. Yeah, just keep repeating the process. Yeah. So, sure. so when you make that small tweak, you know that, that we'll just reference that forty yard tweak again. You know, and you're mentioning ground scent. Are you also changing your access route? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I will. I mean, I will go to the extremes to make sure I can get in clean. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people, some people want to take the shortest route. You know, I will, I will walk a half mile out of my way if I can um, keep it from moving a deer getting in there. You know, right. um, but yeah, definitely, definitely changing access route. You want to keep on guessing. It's just uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, because I think people, different people, have different schools of thought on that. You know what I mean? It's like. Some people are, I'm going to use the same access to get in and out because that's the only spot they'll ever think that I'm walking in and out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's one way people think, right? Another way people think is kind of like what you and I are talking about here, which is like, 
if they aren't sure where I'm coming from and if they feel like I'm here and there and everywhere, like then they don't really have a beat on what's right, what's wrong. You know what I mean? That's right. And if I can, if I can make sure I'm using access in general, that, that it's unlikely that they're not going to cross my, my boot track. Right. Or that I'm not going to cross deer trails or whatever. Then I really have Mm -hmm. to guessing. you know what I mean? And, uh, I think there's probably a time and a place for all of it. Like I know, for me, in some areas, if there's a hiking trail that's around, like I will use that thing. I will burn that thing up, you know, right. because deer are just used to seeing people, bikes. If it's a if it's a biking trail or whatever, they're just used to humans being on that trail. You know what I mean? And there's human scent on it to begin with, so I might as well just you know blend in with everybody else. You for know? sure. Um, and then there's definitely times where it's like the area might be a little bit more remote this North piece, there's some areas I scouted that are just like, you know, two miles ish back into you get to where you might want to start hunting. And in that mm-hmm. area, like the, some of those deer, you know, may not ever seen a person, <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Cause this area is super remote. It's really big, you know, and you get two, three miles off the beaten path. It's like, there's a chance there are some deer back there probably have never seen or smelled a person before potentially, mm-hmm. you know? And, and those ones, man, you know, they cut your boot track or something, man. They'll jump out straight out of their fur. That's right. You know, they will, but, uh, they will. But yeah. I, um, like I, you know, a lot of, a lot of people will like, they'll go in and find a spot and they'll go in and hang their stand, you know, I'm gonna come back here in the morning, hunt it, you know, and in my mind, that gives, I say you went and hung it at lunch one day, you're going to come back and start hunting it in the morning lot of people that gives all that evening all that night for the deer you're trying to kill he's gonna he, there's a lot of time for him to walk by and smell all that activity you, you know that's i mean uh, they can smell it you know, yeah. no doubt there's no way around yeah so, what um so I, I wanted to ask you man like because we, we we did talk about a little bit about ground hunting and i do want to dive into that a little bit but uh yeah you know what's What's kind of like, you know, in your mind, let's say you spot a deer, right? You're in wherever, Nebraska, northern Missouri, wherever, where you're just hunting like a big open open piece of land, right? right. Maybe not maybe not northern Missouri, but say Nebraska right. or Kansas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, let's say you got one spotted, right? What is your, because I know you mentioned you're aggressive, right? What is your mm-hmm. approach to getting close to getting in, in bow range? And then when you get there and you're on the ground, like, what are you looking for as far as where you're ultimately going to end up when you draw your bow back to make sure that you have what you need around you to stay covered, you know, not be a sticking out like a sore thumb to be able to get that draw opportunity. Right. Um, so when I do a lot of ground hunting, I carry, I carry a heads up decoy with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mounted to like a little electric fence post, you know, a little plastic thing that I can jab in the ground if I needed to. Um, if so, if I'm ground hunting and I'm spotting and stalking, it's all situation. Deer's by itself, or most of the time they're by themselves. They're cruising, you know. A lot of those deer you can call to you, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you got some little bit of terrain, you know, like say you're in grass and waist deep or something pop your heads up thing, you know, heads up decoy, you know, you got to make sure you win. If it's, if it's quartering to him, you might as well just be quiet and try to make a circle around him, 
get, you got to have the wind right to do that. But, you know, right. um, try to call him to you. Those deer out there cruising, they're, those deer in like plains areas, they're, they're really visual. They can see a lot of area, you know, a lot of terrain. So they respond to visual stuff, you know, mm-hmm. a lot like decoys. But like uh, my favorite setup or situation for like ground hunting, if I'm out spotting stalking, is like a buck locked down with a doe. You know, everybody you hear talking about, you know, oh, lockdown's happy. You know, I'm not going to see nothing of them. When, I, when I'm hunting the plains, that's my favorite time. Right. Um, buck locked down with a doe. Uh, especially if you can catch them like early in the mornings, the does up feeding, and late in the evenings, the does usually up feeding, and, and they're kind of the doe will make or break you a ground hunting spot and stalk, especially if you're using a decoy. Like mm-hmm. if you don't spook the doe, you no, know, I mean the the buck's not going anywhere without the doe. If that, if that makes sense. So yeah, you could. I, I've seen them before, locked down on the side of the road get out and I, for one there was this one it was a 150 inch eight point one time when we was driving down the county road and uh but was standing kind of like in a drain mm-hmm. it was a, like a dry drain had a big culvert but anyway it was a doe lockdown i mean you know huddled up in the end of this culvert and i got out and took this picture i mean he was 10 yards from me he was just looking at me wall-eyed you know i'm like doing it <laughs> The doe couldn't see. She didn't know I was that close, you know. So, I mean, he's not going to run right. unless she does, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's my favorite situation. Catch a catch a big buck locked down with a doe. Uh, right. Use the terrain, you know, if you can find some way you can arm it, crawl, eat, squirm, whatever you got to do, get in range. And then it's like if you can get inside, it's like a bubble. Them, you know, you get so close, and if you got some kind of buck decoy or something to show them, uh, Aver deer is different, but there's a certain yardage mark. If you get inside his in that bubble more times than not, he's going to pin his ears back and come see you. You know, right. what's that? What's that yardage marker for you? Like that you found that you like for you? It's like if you see a buck, you know, locked down or even you know solo or whatever. What is that yeah. kind of yardage you want to get to where you feel like I'm up in his business and he's got no other choice but to but to kind of engage me? Uh, I don't know. Seems like if you can get – I mean, definitely I've seen them break, turn, break to you at 75 yards away from you, you know. Um, some of them I've seen – a lot of times, I don't know, like this only – the, like showing them decoy only works if the seems like it only works if the doe's bedded. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if she's bedded and she's kind of just chilling. laying in the taller, yeah, laying in the taller grass. Like the does will make or break you when you're trying to mess with a, de- a buck with a decoy. You know, like if she ain't buying it, he ain't either. You know, yeah. um, uh, but I mean, I've seen them. I've seen them like bucks posture at a hundred yards at me and the doe be up, you know, um, milling around and, you know, she's looking at the decoy or whatever. I'm kind of cautious, you know, and she, like, she just kind of keep a hundred yards between you and them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of wouldn't, and I've seen the bucks just snort wheezing and bristled up and doing everything, but they ain't going to leave that doe, mm-hmm. to, you know, to come a hundred yards to pick a fight, you know, but yeah. like I said, if you, if, 
the perfect situation is to catch the doe bedded. The buck will bed too, but he's all the time going to get up and circle around, around, and he'll bed back down. And um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That this is different. That's there's. I can think of a deer that I messed with a couple of years ago. You know, they all got this different personalities. This was a giant deer. He'd probably he'd scare 200 inches, but he wasn't a, he wasn't a fighter, you know? Right. And like I messed with him with a decoy a couple different days and never could get a shot at him or get him commit on the third day. I was watching him from afar. He'd actually moved off the property that I could hunt. So I was just sitting there glassing him and I watched this, uh, I mean, this deer was a giant. He was like a mainframe 12 that I put in the high eighties. And then he had a, like a, nine or 10 inch dagger coming off one of his bases, you know, kind of over his eye and then some other stuff, you know, he's definitely, I would say would go over 200 gross. So anyway, I watched this, like a three and a half year old seven point that might've scored 118, walk in there and take his dough from him <laughs> and leave. So I was thinking, well, no wonder I couldn't get him. To get yeah, right. You know, he's just a, he's a pansy, you know, right. um, so there's, isn't it, isn't there's it, no set in stone yeah i was just gonna say isn't it funny how like the different deer will just kind of react differently you know like that like that that, that buck had 100 pounds on the other deer you know or it looked yeah. like you know it's just yeah. crazy yeah that's that's nuts man like talking about those bedded does and you know bucks bedding with those does it's funny you know as you were kind of saying that it's like i was thinking back to my hunt last year because i had a pretty decent buck if he would have had his match a matching his left his left side was normal and his right side was all kinds of messed up it looked like he had injured it whenever he was growing you know or something like it or maybe he got hit by a car or something like that while he was growing but the right side was all kind of mangled up if his right would have matched his left i would have shot him and he at one point he was maybe eight yards from me you know because he, he and this doe ran down over this little embankment and she just kind of never saw me i was in a ghillie jacket in the grass and she just walked by me and she went and bedded down in between these couple cedars and she was probably you know 15 yards in front of me and he came walking after she passed and he stopped like right in front of me at like eight yards or whatever and just stood there for like a while watching that doe and then he went and bedded down behind her and just kind of you reminded me of that because i just watched him like she she barely moved a, a muscle for like an hour and a half like she just mm -hmm. laid there, but he got up multiple times and would just like peck her head around, you know what I mean? Yep. Just scoping stuff out or, and so it's interesting you mentioned that, like, cause that, it just made me think of when I saw that, I was like, man, that, if I weren't that close and I wanted to shoot that deer, or I wanted to try to get that, you know, play the game with that deer. That would have been a, a deer that was probably game to respond to a decoy because that doe was just, oh, sure. you know, out of the, out of the, out of the picture at that point. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, that's cool, man. The, uh, so when you're out there, man, you know, are you, um, I know you talked about like, you know, well, actually let me back up for a second. There's a question I wanted to ask you that I wrote down. And I'm going to forget it. You mentioned visual and I, and I a hundred percent agree. It's like, I picked up on that kind of quick out there. That was one like new thing that was a learning curve thing for me was, you know, they, they're, 
you know, I knew that they could see a lot further, but I think the first year I went out there, the first couple of days, I didn't realize how much they relied on that, you know, versus the mm-hmm. deer that I hunt, you know, in the Northeast. Um, and, and, and whenever you're approaching like a stock, you know, I know some guys like to approach head on because they feel like they have a smaller profile than if they're coming across them. And so they'll, mm-hmm. they'll make sure they got the wind in their favor. Right. And they're going to approach them almost head on because they're not going to have as much movement. It's almost like if you take your hand and you put it skinny in front of you and you move away from you, it's like, you know, you don't notice as much, but if you take your hand and you make it sideways and you, and you wipe it back and forth in front of your face, it's like, that obviously is like a much bigger disturbance, you know? And so like some of the guys I know, it's like, they'll actually approach, you know, their initial approach will be head on as much as they can, especially if they can kind of have the, uh, like the sun at their back to where it's right. like now that deer can't see it's dealing with, you know, um, it's dealing with like the, the contrast, like where it can't quite pick you out and you're making your profile skinny. So are you playing games like that or how do you like approach when you're at a distance before you kind of close those final yards to get into the right spot? Man, uh, it's, it's just all terrain based. You know what I got to work with? Um, I love windy days. Mm-hmm. That's obvious, you know. Right. I mean, I've seen I've seen days where out there, you know, be a forty mile an hour wind. I can dang near get up and pet one of them, you know, <laughs> on a wind day. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can I can. Every deer has been different, you know. Um, there's I don't know. Definitely, just try to try to get the wind in your favor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a crosswind making a stalk. You know, if you, if you're not planning on trying to make him come to you. I mean, if he if you're trying to make him come to you, he's gonna circle down, you right. know, yeah. um, no doubt. I mean, he might get in boat range before he circles downwind, but um, I don't show him the decoy unless I feel like I have to. You know, like gotcha. that's not my first go to. So let's see how close I can get without letting him know I'm here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but then if I don't, if I can't, if I can't get to where I need to be, you know, or in range, then I'll show them the decoy. Um, but yeah, just any kind of, there's even sometimes when it looks flat, there might be some grass in a certain area. It's a little taller than others that blocks, them, you know, um, just, I don't know. Yeah. There's ever, ever stock I've made has been different. <laughs> right. Um, there's no, um, there's no there's like no, set kind of set kind of, way right it's uh yeah and those little undulations and ditches too are man they i mean everyone thinks it's flat in those areas and it's just Mm -hmm. man you can get hidden real quick too and the deer can just disappear on you at the same time that's right that's right i mean a man can do a lot laying flat his belly on moving on stuff you know right it's it's a lot more uh wears you out a lot faster but can you get six inches off the ground you know Mm-hmm. the highest part of you sticking up and you can cover some area right getting close sure. especially if you've got a little breeze covering up the sound yeah for sure which out there you have most of the time except most of the time except when i need it that's the only time i never have it oh yeah i had a, <laughs> I had a situation last year so i take my i got two boys i got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old one my seven-year-old spoiled mm-hmm. uh, he's been he's hunted kansas with me twice oh nice already uh, but last year we was hunting some, uh, some, just some walking ground and, uh, and I ran in or we ran into a deer. I would say he was, uh, he was, he was a mainframe mate. He had a couple 
uh, kickers off it of his G2s kind of matching on each side. And I, I would put him in the 70s with the kickers. I mean, a giant. Dude, right. You know? And uh, my we, we was bow hunting, and my son's small, so he was shooting a crossbow. And, uh, I mean, of all the days for there not to be any wind in Kansas, I had this buck bedded with his doe at 80 yards, and you know, I'm trying to get closer. It was middle of the day. Kind of a perfect scenario other than there wasn't a breeze <laughs> nowhere, you know. And – and I even had a little, I think there was a cedar bush or two, you know, that I, that we had finally circled around and crawled and this, that, and other, and got the little cedar between us and the deer that was bedded. And I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be good, you know? Right. And then, and then the no breeze, like we're going slow as possible. And, you know, it's, and I said, dealing with a seven-year-old is dealing with a seven-year-old. Right. And so, uh, you know, he's probably not being as quiet as, possible you know it's just is what it is try to make it fun for them and uh and the doe i mean i think we got within 80 yards of her and she could just hear us you know she couldn't see us it's just something not right you know Mm -hmm. and gets up and eases off but yeah wind's definitely your best friend a steady wind when you're doing that spot and stalking that's for sure yeah um the the other thing that surprised me too was like you need some wind to get to move but what surprised me was was how quiet things are on the ground out there because of mm-hmm. how much grass and how much how much that deadens the sound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, like that was something that I was kind of surprised by because even on a day where I might not have much wind and I have deer approaching where I can see them, but it's like I'm like, man, I should be able to hear them by now, and I couldn't. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's like yeah, yeah. when I could finally hear them, they were actually on top of me when I could finally hear right. them. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, grass is not like dry oak. No. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a different, different animal. For sure it is, man. Yeah. Are there, are there any terrain like features out there that you've kind of consistently found where you find deer specifically? Like you're going out there and, you know, you're going to go do some glass and driving and stuff like that. Are there certain types of terrain features that you'll kind of look for? Like whether it's, yeah, I want like, big brushy draws or I want, you know, draws and wide open CRP or, you know, or just, I want undulating CRP ground or I want something that's going to be next to a cut cornfield or is there anything that you've kind of honed in on that you find that's like that where you found like some consistency? Areas, uh, far away from roads. <laughs> yeah. Um, somewhere where they can't be seen, be seen from a truck passing by. But, uh, you know, like those those deer out there in the plains, they like to bed, like a little plum thickets. I call them. You know, mm. um, I've sat and watched plum thickets, and you stare at them for hours, nothing there, and then all of a sudden a giant stands up at them. You know, or um, just any. It don't take like it don't. It doesn't take a a lot of cover to hide a deer. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like to hunt places. Like, you know, everybody bow hunts, they, they think you need to be sitting in a tree, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like to hunt places that people don't think is good deer hunting or bow hunting, you know, so to speak, just because there's not a tree to get up in. Um, but, yeah, this place is, I mean, it's like you've heard a million times, just get away from the road. Um, mm-hmm. Just places they feel safe where they don't encounter people as often. That's where I like to go, look, you know. Right. Um, 
Yeah, the but, the standard kind of stuff holds true. That's the one thing. It's mm-hmm. like you know that that approach travels. You know, it's like kind of like football. Yeah. You got a running game, it'll travel. You know, it's like right. deer hunting. Right. You know, stay away from people, stay away from roads. <laughs> you know that that approach travels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I'm hunting the plane stuff a lot, I never enter anywhere before daylight. I always, hmm. I always can see when I'm walking into an area. A lot of times. I might, if I got a specific area in mind, I might actually drive around for the first 30 minutes and just see if I can lay eyes on something, you know, because a lot of times they've been to their destination food source at not all night, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they're they're going back to wherever they're planning on hanging out for the day, so to speak, you know, and you, you can catch them, get sight of them, you know, heading right. back, heading back toward those areas without road. You know? I mean, you can get eyes on something that's, You've won half the battle. The hard, yeah. the, it, uh, the hardest part about killing a big deer is finding a big deer. You know, yeah. or, you know, it's not making. I mean, it's not shooting him at twenty yards. The hardest part is finding him. You know, laying eyes on. Him. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I can, if I can see him, I can kill him somehow. You know, right? Um, how, how much are you? how much time are you glassing versus like hunting or just say glass? Like, are you doing a lot of driving? Cause I know for me, whenever I'm out there, it's like, I'm typically doing a lot of driving. Uh, it depends on if I know about a deer. Got um, it. Yeah. You know, if I'm not, if, if I don't have any, I mean, if I don't have any good ideas of where a deer is, if I haven't spotted one in a certain area, I'm looking for one, you know, hitting a lot of different pieces of public, Mm-hmm. you know driving but you know if i don't catch something with my eyes the first hour or two you know then i'm i'm gonna dive off into something you know um and see what i can run into right uh but once i find if i get eyes on a deer you know a lot of a lot of the plains deer they travel way more than they do you know say the states that it's got a lot of timber you know they just mm-hmm. got bigger ranges yeah so so if I if I get eyes on a deer, then I will go and do a lot more sitting in glass and looking for him, you know, or you know, an area I think I might. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm I'm go go go. Um, <laughs> right. I'll sit and look for this, and then I might I might walk and hit another vantage point and see if I can sit more. I mean, it's amazing what you can see from one spot that you couldn't see from the other. You know, that right. hundred yards from there. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just depends on if I got eyes on one. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a, uh, I kind of do, I drive around and I'll find a spot that looks interesting or interesting to me that maybe I can't glass it from driving and I'll, I'll hop into it or it might be like a drainage or something like that. And I'll walk in and hit a couple of different spots where I'll just do some blind rattling, see if I can't rustle something up or bump something and get, just try to get a visual, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and that's usually kind of my my uh, game plan. I'm curious, man. You can only, you can only take one of these things. I was thinking of this cause I know you like to use a decoy. You can only take one. You, you can take a decoy, a grunt tube or rattling antlers. Which one are you taking? The decoy. Yeah. No brainer. No brainer. How often are you, are you rattling while you're out there? I mean, I, every once in a while I might blind rattle cause I'm bored. But <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know that I've ever killed like a big mature deer blind rattling. Now I've rattled some in after I laid eyes on them, you know, but I don't know if I've ever honestly, 
you know, just picked up a set of horns and rattled and a big deer came in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've definitely killed some big deer by rattling. Mm-hmm. But it's after I've done laid eyes on him. Right. And, you um, got, and at that I, point, you got a sense of what it would take to try to pull him at that point. Right. Right. I mean, if I'm out, if I'm out in the, if I'm out in the prairie and I rattle, it's because, because that wherever the deer's at, there's no way I can get in front of, you know, he's most of the time, you know, they're rattling, they're going to be by themselves. Mm-hmm. Call them in. And most of the time they're by themselves and they're rutting, they're moving. Right. So, like, if I rattle the one, it's because the, he's probably going the other way, and there, I don't feel like there's no way that I can get ahead of him you know, without before he gets off the property. I can. So, I mean, most of the time when I rattle, it's like a uh, hail mary. <laughs> right. Let's uh, let's try this before he's gone for the day, kind of deal. Right. Um, right. What yeah. uh, I, I'm curious, man, what your uh. What deer have you hunted that that was that you felt was like uh, that taught you the most, right? Like I I always feel like there's like as you go through like your hunting journey, there's always like a memorable deer that was like almost like a watershed moment where it was like, man, this deer was tough to kill, and I had to like he beat me a hundred times, and I finally learned <laughs> what he was doing, and it and then that lesson was like a thing that. I was able to use from there on out. Like, like I know for me, I always use the example. The first time I went to Iowa, you know, and got to, got to spend that much time around mature deer for that whole trip. I was like, it was like taking a master's class on whitetails because mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I'd never seen that many mature deer, you know, at one time. And so you just got to right. watch them do mature deer things and watch how they use the wind and watch how they scent check areas and watch how just everything and watch their mannerisms and stuff like that, you know? And so I'm curious for you, like, you know, you've killed a lot of, a lot of big deer, a lot of mature deer. And I'm curious if there's one that stands out to you that taught you, that taught you the most. I'm trying to think, I don't, it's kind of hard to have a, I haven't ever really built a relationship with a deer because most of the time I only got say 10 days to hunt there. You mm-hmm. know, um, I don't know. I've had killed several good deer, but, um, I mean, I can think of certain deer that I kill where, you know, you hear people, I can think of one that I've shot sitting on the ground, but I was in an ambush spot. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a deer like a week prior. It had a little creek bottom in this area. So I was having to, I was having to do more sitting and watching than I was just, I like to roam around. Right. Very, um, but like, I can remember hearing people talking about hunting a, like a just off wind, you know, where the wind's right for the deer. Yeah. Or, or he thinks it's right for the deer and almost and, wrong still for, good you. for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I can remember a certain deer, like I saw this deer a week prior. And <laughs> it was the first day that I showed up to that place. I'd shot my bow and I'm, I'm real anal about my, my buddy say I'm OCD, but about my archery equipment. Mm-hmm. I want it dialed to a T. So I'd shot my bow in the truck lights night before to the camper where we were staying. Well, I, I feel, I think I was hitting a touch low or something. You know, I mean, I'm talking like a couple inches. Well, most folks are like, ah, it's good. Oh, well, the next day I sit and hunted for a little while, just watching from afar. And I got to thinking, I don't know if my bow's on, you know? So I ended up going back to the, 
truck. I kept a target in the bed of my truck. And I was out I was out on one of those old county dirt roads, you know, that nobody ever drives down. And I had my boat. I mean, I shoot my boat down the edge of this road and the buck that I was after crossed the road behind my target. <laughs> <laughs> so I almost killed him, you know, like ten minutes later, you know, I, I ended up putting a stalk on him and I almost got it done that day, but uh rookie mistake, I think I stepped on a stick and it popped or something and he tagged me. Right. But anyway, so I went a whole week and he had been you know, they got such big ranges, I'm sure he'd lock down like I said, lockdown's my favorite, but that's only if I can see the deer, you know. Right, right. He, he must have been locked down on a, a property I wasn't sitting on something. But uh, I remember that property had like a creek or drainage that run uh, uh, north and south. And I had, there was a straight south wind that day. And I, and I hadn't really kind of got off in the creek bottom much. I stayed up on the hills, you know, watching it and stuff, trying to lay my eyes on the deer. Now, finally, like that day, I'd been hunting. I told you I was impatient. Something's got to give. So I started on the north side of that property. I was just going to work down that drainage. I had a little stool on my back. And I said, man, I'm, I'm going to find where I'm going to kill this deer today, you know. So I'm walking down this edge of this creek drainage, and there's big buck sign and stuff. And, and this, like I said, this creek bottom, it was real narrow, and it was running north and south one little spot where it made like a little S curve. Mm -hmm. So for like a 30 yard span, uh, it was running east and west. And the rest of the time it was running predominantly north and south, you know, and, and a light bulb went off. I said, I can sit right here on this corner. It's kind of like the northeast corner where it made the S curve. And I said, the deer can work down this draw. You know, if he's cruising, you know, looking for does, if he, he can work down his draw and think the wind is in the absolute perfect, you know, for him in his favor, that right here in this curve, he's can miss me because like where it made a curve, it was, it was blowing out in like this cut cornfield. Mm -hmm. Well, I sit down on my stool and about an hour and a half later, he did exactly what he's doing. And I mean, that taught me a lesson you know, or something that I've heard about that, you know, I mean, some of that stuff sounds like science fiction, you know, hunt a wind and, Right, right for the deer, and you know, but you know, light bulb went off, you know. So, and I've picked up other little spots you can do that with, mm -hmm. you know, since I've done it. You know, but I don't know. Yeah, nice. Um, that's that's awesome. a good learning. I good love learning. that. I, I love that that deer ran behind your target. Like that, oh man, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's like one of the funniest so, I mean, things he, I think I've ever heard. I mean, it's a tank of a deer. I've sent you pictures of him. I can get it's, but anyway, I mean, my buddies they call it a. Got something they they call it Drew Luck. They say it's always you know they they call me lucky. You know? They say what kind of Drew Luck is this? You're shooting your bow and the deer you after runs behind your target. And he didn't even see me shooting my bow. You know, like he was cruising head down. I mean, he was head down. He probably went all business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was probably 120 yards from me when he walked across the road. But he like like when I saw him, I had my binos and stuff. You know, and I'm like, because you know, deer come across. Man, that is him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I ducked out, you know, hit the deck on the road. That's, that's hilarious, man. So, what uh, what are your goals for this year, man? What are you uh, where are you headed this year? What's happening for uh, for the fall? Um, I got a, I got an Idaho elk tag, and yeah, cause, uh, we, we didn't even touch on that, man. Because this 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 guy also kills Magnum bulls at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I got an Idaho elk tag and I got a, a Iowa tag. I uh, this I applied for Kansas. This is the first year I started applying for Kansas in 2009, and this is the first year that I didn't draw a tag. So damn. Well, I'll try to kill one for you this year, buddy. How's that? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> nice yeah. man. Um, feeling good about the uh, Idaho trip? Or is it? Are you headed to an area that you you're familiar with? Yes. It's, yeah. uh, I feel like I found a bird nest on the ground. Oh, I'm I'm riding away. Ride that just wave, ride, dude. Just ride. Just ride. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Surfs up. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and then uh, Iowa. So that's a uh, that's cool, man. That's a uh, that's always a good time. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I I think I've hunted. I've got to hunt Iowa twice. Okay. Yeah, I should go for my second time in next fall. So 2024, I should be back right. to Iowa. Right. The uh, I'm glad it worked out with my tags. You know, I'm. I I like to hunt Iowa and Kansas the same year or something, or you know, I usually try to hunt multiple states if I can get a hold of the decent tags or something. But right. I mean, I am glad I my points worked out where I, uh, I am getting to hunt with you know one good tag this year versus yeah. nothing, so to speak. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking for. I mean, I'm not looking past this year. I'm stoked for this season, but you know, next year the Iowa trip. I'm planning to go out. I think I mentioned this to you when we were talking. I'm planning just to go out to live there from like end of September through, you know, to, till I fill a tag essentially. Cause you say you're going to do that in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I work remotely. So it's like, I can just, I can work from anywhere. So I'm just going to take my little travel trailer and set up shop out there and work and hunt like I live there and, you know, take off good weather days and, you know, work during days where the weather's not great and, you know, and, and do that and see if I can't find a big one. Oh yeah, find a big one. Yeah. Not that much time. That's the that's a uh, good thing to have time when you're after a big deer. That's it, man. Yeah, and time time is probably one of the most critical kind of <laughs> components it of it for sure. But uh. Well, cool, man. I know I've kept you here just about an hour and 20 minutes, man. I want to be sensitive to your time, let you get some family time in. But before I let you get out of here, let folks know where they can find out, where they can follow along with you, what you got going on this year, if there's social media or anything you want people to pay attention to. Or I know that you killed a giant in Kansas last year. I think Jonathan's putting a video out for that at some point in the fall, right? Right. He, he, I told him he needs to get off his rear end and do it. Um, I guess a lot of people ask me to want to see it. Right. I'm not a – I guess I, I – I, I, I'm on social media, but I don't do much posting. Right. <laughs> if I usually, if I kill a, a big deer, my wife's like, "Look, what my hubby did." You know, I need to do better on posting stuff. But um, um, my um, Facebook's Drew Bounds, and I think my Instagram's at Bounds Drew. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty boring. You're not gonna see much on there. <laughs> what uh? What's uh? What's Jonathan's YouTube channel again? Where that video is gonna? I think out? it's just Jonathan Moreland's YouTube channel. Okay, cool. Yeah, you can search that, and if you guys want to check it out, you can also just go to Jonathan Moreland's Instagram page. I know he has a link to like his YouTube channel there as well. Um, because that was you killed a, a freaking hammer last year. That was a giant. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. It was a it was a cool hunt to get on video for sure. It awesome. was. Two deer got shot in the, the record button and got turned off. You know, it was bang, yeah. bang. Yeah. Kind of yeah. You guys doubled up. I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah. watching it, man. Uh, but, man, I appreciate you coming on, dude. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to connect. Um, and you're welcome on this show absolutely anytime you want to come on and just chop it up and talk shop. And then who 
you know, hell, who knows, man, maybe one of these days we'll run into each other in the plains and, uh, and do a little hanging out while we're trying to kill deer. Yeah. 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 I'm sure we will. If you, you run around the same area I am, you'll see me because I'll be looking at all of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Check out all of them. Awesome, buddy. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. All right. Thank you. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.